Hello, everyone, and welcome to another conversation with myself and a special guest, um, Mr. Chris McNeil. Um, I am so excited to talk about this topic that is extremely important um, to me and the growth of um, relationships and developing, um, becoming who we are and um, being more aware and and just really discussing um, adverse childhood experiences and the impact that they have or can have on you and I as an individual. I'm speaking with Chris today, who holds an MS in counseling um, on identifying ACEs and so much more. I want to tell you a little bit about Chris. He holds an undergraduate degree um, I majored in psychology and uh, two years, let's see, from 95 to 97, he was at Millersville University. He also holds a master's in counseling with a concentration in psychology and human services. Um, he is currently earning his doctorate in education as well. Um, he lives here in Central Virginia, which is the area that I am recording from today. Um, he is employed as a mobile therapist, behavioral specialist, consulta- um, consultant for adults and children. He's licensed as a qualified mental health professional for adults and children here in the state of Virginia. Um, many years working um, in a therapeutic day treatment, mental health skill building, and crisis and community stabilization program. Um, he's working towards finishing his requirements towards his LPC. Listen, I can read on and on and on about what Chris has done and what he does, but this, I will tell you firsthand, is a Black man that is super smart and super passionate about the health, the mental health and well-being of not only people of color, but people of all nationalities, races, ethnicities, backgrounds. Um, But more importantly, Chris is super passionate about people that look like me and he and the children that we have and that we are responsible for. And so having this conversation is so fitting in the conversation you'll hear. He and I just really sharing our experiences, um, our thoughts, our beliefs, philosophy, and of course, the education, the study, the history on how the ACEs um, study came to be. And we're both super passionate about this work. Um, Personally, for me, uh, I have been drawn to um, the ACEs work uh, just because of the industry that I'm in. And then, of course, me accepting that my personal ACEs number is high and What can I do about that? And how can I help others that find themselves faced with these high ACEs scores um, or just the trauma and the impact of the trauma? Uh, I have learned many ways to uh, manage and to navigate uh, my childhood trauma, my childhood experiences. And I want to share that with anyone that is willing to listen and willing to hear and is going through their own personal journey. Um, I am of age now and I've known about uh, my childhood experiences since they happened. And um, I think you'll hear uh, in our discussion that sometimes 
Others won't see your trauma as trauma, but you know that something happened to you. And that's what's most important. And that's the way you and I and others will grow past this, go past it, and hopefully break the cycle of childhood traumas and adverse childhood experiences. So without further ado, please help me to welcome Mr. Chris McNeil back to the Relationship Zone, the podcast. Thank you. So everyone, let's welcome Mr. Chris McNeil to back again, shall I say? Yeah. <laughs> the Relationship Zone, the podcast. Um, Chris, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yeah. I appreciate it. It's always a joy and a pleasure to work with you and, you know, looking forward to uh, continuing to work in the future. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, so what I would love to do is... Um, we're going to hop into this conversation tonight. Um, two things. We are here to talk about adverse childhood experiences, also known as ACEs. Um, this is near and dear to me, Chris. I've talked about it several times. I've um, begun the training to become a facilitator, mm -hmm. to teach about this. Um, and I love bringing people of color to the floor to discuss ACEs. Um, because I don't think we talk about this enough. So um, we, we do not talk about this enough. Mm -hmm. So before, <laughs> before I jump into what ACES is, I would love if you would just take a second and introduce a little bit about you, who you are. And, um, and for, you know, for those that's wondering, well, you know, what makes him so important or, or you know, who validated <laughs> him to speak on <laughs> Well, we're going to get to that. So Chris, if you could just tell us a little bit about who you are, that would be perfect. Yes. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Chris McNeil Sr. I am a qualified mental health professional in the state of Virginia. I um, relocated to the area in 2014 from Pennsylvania and uh, just always looking to uh, be in areas of influence to transfer my knowledge and, and, and skills to people that don't really have it or they had it and they just just kind of forgot it. But um, in the process of earning my LPC hours uh, starting in January, also I'll be a professor in January as well. Um, so, so there's some things coming down the pike that I'm pretty proud of and looking to work with uh, Queenie here more. And um, we, we connected about a year ago on another podcast about grief and loss. And the other two individuals I was able to connect with in person. So, <laughs> um, and Queenie lives closer to me than they do. Uh, so we're definitely, I know we tried to connect a couple of times to right. just kind of fellowship, but it just didn't work out, but I'm, I'm sure we'll be connecting um, in the future. Uh, but, you know, my, my platform is to educate. Um, I also have a LLC called Positive Black Images, where all I do is promote and educate about our people and how black is proud and black is beautiful. Black has always been beautiful. And we need to understand that uh, we come in all different shapes, sizes, and colors. Uh, but the one thing we need to build more is unity and, and educating about uh, the things that are out here, putting names with faces and in, in our feelings. So I am glad to be part of this and glad to always be part of an intellectual conversation. Um, I don't dwell in, in anti-intellectual circles um, because the energy is just not right. And it's good to be with people that have like minds 
and want to learn and we can glean off each other. Yeah, look at that. I love it. He gets a finger snap, y'all. Finger yep. snap. I love it. All right, all right. Okay, definitely we must connect. You are a little bit south from me. And interestingly enough, I was just down in your area, but I was oh, wow. in your business and I wouldn't have had a lot of time. And honestly, okay. like when I see people, if I'm going to visit, I want to be able to share unadulterated time with them. <laughs> Right. I don't like spending <laughs> my time and, I'll, you know, I do that in big groups. But when I'm when I know I'm coming and I want to sit down, and I want to have one of those, you know, fulfilling conversations. I don't want to be distracted. And, you know, so absolutely. That's the reason why I don't always reach out when I show up in you know people's city. I'm like, I was here for one thing and one thing only. So um, I'm here for business. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I don't. And, you know, I think it's respectful of my time, but it's also respectful of your time. I don't want to yeah. be in a space where I'm like, I really need to go, you know? Exactly. I don't want to. All right. So we're going to talk about ACEs again, you know, tonight. Um, okay. I'm going to just, just quickly share what ACEs is for the listener. Uh, ACEs are traumatic events that occur before a child reaches the age of 18. ACEs include all types of abuse and neglect, such as parental substance abuse, incarceration, and domestic violence. ACEs can also include situations that may cause trauma for a child, such as having a parent with a mental illness or, or being part of a family going through a divorce. A landmark study in the 1990s found a significant relationship between the number of ACEs a person experienced and a variety of negative outcomes in adulthood, including poor physical and mental health, substance abuse, and risky behaviors, the more ACEs experienced, the greater the risk of these outcomes. By definition, children in the child welfare system have suffered at least one ACE. Recent studies have shown that compared with the general population, these children are far more likely to have experienced at least four ACEs, 42% versus 12.5% um, ACEs adverse childhood experiences so someone may be listening mm. right now chris and they're like i had some trauma in my life right mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. let's unpack this we want to talk yes. about what adverse childhood experiences means to you um the work that you're doing and mm -hmm. i want to know why you're so passionate about this as well yes <laughs> i guess um i'm passionate about it because i grew up around a lot of people that experienced this they just never put it could put a name to it um as as well as some of the other diag you know other diagnoses that we have in our communities like you know depression anxiety uh schizophrenia bipolar we just never put a name to it and we never addressed it. We just let it go under the rug. And then years later, you know, there, there's a saying I have where what happened to you is not your fault, but what you do with it after you, you know, you're grown is your responsibility or responsible for fixing it. And the more information we have, you know, when we know better, we do better. So um, I've been in the counseling field since I've been 12 years old and I've always been had a passion to help. And, you know, counseling is to me is to get you where you want to be, uh, taking you from one place to another. And that can be a myriad of things. And just seeing a lot of people in their situation, I was like, man, what is what is this? And then this ACEs, I stumbled upon this in graduate school and I'm like, wow. So so-and-so had physical abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse physical neglect and emotional neglect 
along with their parent who was alcoholic, along with a parent who was in, incarcerated, along with a family member who was diagnosed with a mental illness, along with a family member uh, that had a divorce of both parents. Um, so each of those traumas count as one. And you're getting, you know, I've seen people that have nine or 10 um, on the ACEs score. And if they don't do the work necessary to address those issues, address those traumas, get the therapy, get the counseling, um, you know, it could be something that repeats itself, you know, a, you know, a generational curse, if you will. Um so yeah, that that just makes me more passionate. I I want to see people whole. You know, I'm I'm tired of seeing our people on the front page of the news. I'm tired of seeing our people um continuing to be the butt of jokes, you know, getting hurt at somebody else's expense and somebody else's enjoyment. Mm -hmm. You know, why can't we just be whole and do the work necessary? to be productive members, you know, just for our families later for everybody else. I need to get my house right first. And if I get my house right, then somebody else may be able to look at my house and say, Hey, you're doing something I'm not doing. What is it that you're doing? That is my mantra. You know, that's my mandate. And, um, these aces, I tell you, they can be traumatic if they're not addressed. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I fully mm -hmm. agree. I, I, every time yeah. I go through this um, study, uh, I discover something different and how it's impacted or affected my thinking, um, the movement. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and honestly, it, it, will, it will impact the future that you can see for yourself. Um, and... I personally became drawn to this work in, in college, just really, you know, first time I took my ACEs score, I, I absolutely was, mm. I was embarrassed. I denied it. I was like, there's no way. Even though I knew some things happened to me, I think mm -hmm. sometimes in certain cultures, we normalize the behavior. Normalize so, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we don't really think it's that bad. Right. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we're comparing our trauma to someone else's trauma that was right next door. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and in certain communities trauma is trauma is trauma is trauma <laughs> you yeah know, every time you walk out the door it's trauma <laughs> but you think like well you know that car just has one flat tire mm -hmm. you know what i mean and the one over here has two it must be worse off right they're both dysfunctioning you're right both dysfunctional yep <laughs> exactly yeah. So for exactly. me, I was, I was definitely, I had, I was in denial, but it was more so shame, mm -hmm. right? When you discover what has happened to you and you have to face it, I was ashamed and I was angry because in the room with me, weren't a lot mm -hmm. of people that looked like me, they didn't come from the community I came from. Yeah, they, they, and I knew they didn't have my same experience whenever we start calling out our numbers. I was like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to take my paper and throw it away, Chris. I was just- yeah. I was yeah. so embarrassed. I was young and I didn't know, right? I did not know. Now, many years later, I started working to become, um, studying to become a facilitator here in my county. And mm -hmm. um, over the last few years, I just accept my score now because I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This is part of my story. 
this mm-hmm. but that's work chris that's a lot of work so it's how a lot do you of work. get to that like in your work in your in the work that you do with the people that you see mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and you being aware of adverse childhood experiences and the impact that they have on obviously some of your clients and our lives if we you know we're not excluded um how do you guide people through this type of acceptance because it's it's hurtful when you have a high score it is and I kind of liken it to the grief and loss cycle where, you know, you go through denial, you'll go through anger, you'll go through depression, you'll go through uh, bargaining, like, man, why did this happen to me? But until they get to the acceptance phase, you can't get the healing and the help that you need because you have to be in a place in your, in a mindset where I can receive the help. And coming from the clients that I work with, 95% of my clients have had an adverse childhood experience, multiple. So it's almost like it, it goes hand in hand, you know, with the grief and loss cycle and the adverse childhood experiences. It's like, okay, you have to get help. You have to go talk to someone because you, you see the physical act, you see the emotional outburst, you know, you'll see a lot of the negative activity, the attention seeking, um, you know, possible, you know, substance abuse, possible alcoholism. All that is, is an escape mechanism. It's a coping mechanism to escape. You know, the function of any behavior is to obtain or avoid. So we either want to get something out of it or we want to avoid it. And most of the time when you have individuals who have suffered traumas, suffered grief and loss, suffered out adverse childhood experiences, there hasn't been a blueprint set up for them to say, hey, okay, well, here's a book, here's this piece of paper, here's this guideline, here's this blueprint, let's follow it. Well, in our communities, there isn't any. So what's the next thing? Oh, well, just drink this or, you know, snort this or, you know, uh, shoot this up or go, you know, be promiscuous, you know, you know, go all, all these negative vices. And then we, and then all it is, it's just, compounding the situation and then you end up feeling hopeless and you don't have a way out and then we're looking at okay we got a serious problem and if we don't deal with it it ends up repeating itself through other generations that's that that's a that's an absolute fact i think one thing mm-hmm. you, you we we I'm I'm going to say it because I can, right? Uh, <laughs> along, I can say it. Along with giving the, along with being given the tool, um, the various negative tools, right, to suppress the realities. Mm-hmm. We come from a culture of just go to church and pray about it. <laughs> I, I can say that. Right? Yes, <laughs> and, we can say it emphatically. Yeah, I can say that. And instead, <laughs> I, I, you know, granted, maybe we did not have the the tools. Maybe mm-hmm. you know, because in in our in you know, growing up for some of us, we didn't go to therapy because you went to church, and there's nothing wrong with it when right. you were able to go and get that type of counsel, that wise counsel. But mm-hmm. there's a there's a shift that happened that took place and it's not yeah. the same. And yeah. so we weren't able to go to the older wise women or the older wise men or the churches or the deacons and the pastors mm-hmm. that truly care about the whole person, even if they didn't have names for it, even if they didn't say your mental health, they just knew 
quote unquote, your mind wasn't settled, right? Your right was was re- was restless, you know. Um, mm-hmm. They would pray and talk, and co- but we lost that. And there was a period of time when we just, I think, we weren't addressing these no. issues, and our communities mm-hmm. have been running amok in our behavior and our health and our and our, our mental health and physical health. All of that was mm-hmm. failing. And we were mm-hmm. praying through the trauma without getting the work. Praying through the trauma, it was like we were ignoring what had happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it still mm-hmm. eats up inside, right? It so does. Let's talk about like the the effects that this trauma can have internally to people, because I think oh yeah, went through that. Yeah, a lot of us did, and um, I was part of a movement where you prayed about it, but you you couldn't even trust the people in the church (laughs) 95 percent of the issue was the pastor and the the deacons the church and if i can't trust the people within the four walls yeah i'm not gonna get my answer and then a lot of us didn't trust white people yep and you know and 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 because of, of of our trauma and our you know things that we endured during the European enslavement of Africans, mm-hmm. it was like okay, I don't tell them people my business because X Y Z, and so now we 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 have to transform our minds into knowing that there's official help and there's people that are not going to tell our story that we trust. Because a, a lot of times we will tell our story to people and they can't even hold water. And, you know, when, when you're dealing with these trauma, traumatic issues, I have to go to somebody that can, you know, keep my secrets, yeah, open me up, deal with the issue, and then put me back together where I can have that covering and that protection. Because... Even, you know, even the abuse could have happened from our parents. We have to find someone that we trust. They'd be like, okay, I'm coming to you in full 100% disclosure. I have X, Y, Z going on. My dad's doing this. My dad did that. X, Y, Z. And then if the abuse did happen from someone else and we told our parents, oh, you ain't telling, what are you talking about? I don't believe you. So it's, it's almost like, my goodness, I'm darn if I do and darn if I don't, if I don't tell somebody it's going to keep happening and they're going to keep this noose around my neck or I can go get some help and then they're doing stuff. So it's almost like, who do I trust? And so I am so glad nowadays that there are people of color, there are professionals that aren't, that they have integrity, that have standards and morals and they don't want to lose their license. Yeah. <laughs> that part. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, providing these these uh, these forums and, and, and these platforms get the word out to people that there is help. That there is people, you know, and maybe I can't help everybody, you can't help everybody, but we can do something together to get people help, you know, train, you know, send them where they need to go. And it, it's it's just to the point where there's enough research out there. There's enough people of color out there that can really be of help uh, to our, our people that really are seeking uh, deliverance. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, I want to share something with you. Um, when I first um, 
started training to facilitate one of the classes I went to. Um, we we well no, it was a conference. It was a great conference too. Really great. We had to read the book. Um, what happened to you? And um, the author of the book mm -hmm. came and he opened up. He was a keynote speaker. And wow. Yeah, that was amazing. That was I get it, it was it was so so good to sit in that space. I've talked yeah. about this before on a couple of the shows, but it was so good mm -hmm. to sit in that space. But interestingly enough, probably out of 50 or so of us that was there to become facilitators, there were probably just a couple of us that looked like you and I. Mm. And so the conversation around the room was filled with empathy, especially mm -hmm. towards people of color, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of people that want to save us. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> but what I did realize, I looked around and I was like but we're not here ready to save ourselves and that was so disappointing to me yeah. but it made me more um committed to yeah talk about aces continue to talk about adverse childhood experiences and we should not normalize this behavior and it should not go without acknowledging that big T's mm -hmm. and little T's change our children's brains. And then we're mm -hmm. out there dating or marrying or sleeping with or sitting or whatever you want to call it with individuals that are, have been through it and they really mm -hmm. don't have to do with it. So they right. express themselves to us in all types of ways. Absolutely. <laughs> that are not healthy. And neither yeah. many of us aren't even operating in a healthy space, right? Healthy because we haven't done the work. And mm -hmm. I think that some people do the work. Let me change it. I think that some people do work, but because we're not specific about some of these childhood traumas, mm -hmm. we, we overlook a few things that are key. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, some of us have abandonment issues because we felt that abandonment when we were, mm -hmm. and rightfully so, it was real. Right. But we we come off clingy in mm -hmm. adulthood and we don't understand why. Right. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But it's little things like that. The little nuances that just ha that have taken place in our lives. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, with us, like I'm saying, in this in the space of, of teaching, it's not it wasn't a lot of us in that particular training. Um, I just wondered how. Are those conversations going? <laughs> if we do want, you know, we do want, <laughs> we want to these amazing people that's doing the help, trying to help and doing the work. Mm -hmm. one of them, are they really going to understand our story? Right, and are it's, it's really, difficult. Can they really understand it? Yeah, it's it's really difficult to put our stories in context with someone who really hasn't gone through it. It's almost like, uh, like we're telling a fairy tale, and that's what it's looked at at times. Like, okay, you're saying it, but I'm not taking you seriously. Uh, but then three weeks later, you read that he goes out and does something and like, oh, he did mention that he had some issues. And now, you know, I, I, I looked at it lightly. I didn't, you know, look at it too seriously. And now look, you know, yeah. and I think, I think that's the biggest thing right now is getting our story out there and having it validated. Yes. Because a lot, a lot of people don't validate, you know, they, they don't trust what we say. They think we're just making it up. And I'm like, sure. there's no way we can make that up. 
no you know no no and and you're correct it's people i I love the fact you said they look at it like it's a fairy tale Mm -hmm. and and so i often Mm -hmm. feel like in spaces you know i mean again you know depending on the type of work you do in the space that i'm in you know (laughs) um (laughs) diverse but in certain topics in certain rooms in certain trainings it's not as diverse as i would like it to be and so sometimes mm -hmm. (laughs) sometimes i don't Mm -hmm. feel like um, really fully can understand and there are people that really do want to understand and they don't look like us but there are Mm -hmm. others that just will never get it and this is why i commend the work that you're doing um Mm -hmm. another girlfriend that dr victoria she's doing her thing as well um Mm -hmm. and she's focusing on ac really talking about adverse childhood experiences and bringing it to the forefront of you know, a, a, like centering it when we're speaking mm-hmm. of color, like really centering what adverse childhood experiences are. So mm-hmm. I in all the work that you're doing because this is some, this is heart's work and it's hard work. Yeah, yeah. And and like I said, that's my mandate is to, uh, first of all, pulverize the ideologies that people have about us as far as people of color. And then also educating them in a space where we have credentials yeah. and you know we're pushing them across the table because you don't take our story seriously so you will take that license seriously you will take that degree seriously yeah. you will take that that um that credential and that you know uh whatever else you have you'll take that seriously because that's one thing that that i learned that you know people talk but when you start pushing stuff across the table, they got your signature on it that you can sign after and you got the alphabet soup after, you know, then they're like, oh, we got to take him seriously. Yeah, because we got a story to tell. Yeah. And if, we, if we're not going to we're, we're not going to talk about it, we're going to write about it. But it definitely has to get out. And, you know, that's why this work is so important that, you know, it's, it's a shame that people won't accept you unless you've got some paper. I know. And some letters behind your name, yeah. but you know it. It it you know equalizes the playing field. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, so let, let's, <laughs> let's let's. I want to turn the corner just a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Someone's listening and wondering, like, okay, well, what's an example of what Aces is? I want you to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that because um, okay. my score sure. was uh, it was an eight on a good day. And a nine mm-hmm. on a bad day. It it, mm. it up and down, and that's where it hovers. Um, to be honest, it really is a nine. But uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, you know, and that's just out of ten. So that's a really really high score. And, yeah. Um, but I'm. I don't want to say I've done the work, Chris. I'm doing the work. Doing it the work. A lifelong long journey. And certain things happen to you and, and triggers can, you know, oh yeah, put you back, right? Uh-huh. So I want to, I want to give you the floor to really okay. um, educate people on what this sure. is, some examples and what it all means when I'm saying mm-hmm. I got an eight and a nine on a bad day. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. And, um, and a uh, part of the test that they, they give you uh, is from Kaiser Permanente. And they ask a series of, I think, 10 questions, and I have them in front of me. 
um, one of the questions they'll ask you is prior, and these are all prior to your 18th birthday. They're not talking about anything after that. They said prior to your 18th birthday, did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often swear at you and insult you, put you down or humiliate you or act in a way that made you afraid that you may physically get hurt? If no, one. If yes, enter one. Um, most most families had that, especially when you had people struggling and you know they didn't know how to express themselves. You know they would. I, I'd probably say they would answer one. Another one would be that a parent or other adult often or very often push, grab, slap, or throw something at you, or even hit you so hard that you had marks or were injured. Yeah, there are people I knew that happened that on a daily basis because dad was an alcoholic and dad may have been in, in you know in the military or the war and had some 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 traumas there that he didn't address. So he's trying to figure out the best way he can to function as a normal adult. But he had issues that he had to address. So that that would be another one. Another question would be, did an adult or person at least five years older than you ever touch or follow you in a way that wasn't was wasn't comfortable? Most people, if you know they had an ace, they, they, you know, they could probably answer yes. Uh, so those are some of the questions that you know they ask you. And I know with in with, in regard to my score, my score was a one. And I say it's a one because in one of the questions it asks you were your parents ever separated or divorced? And even I really can't answer that because they weren't really a couple and they weren't married. My dad was married when he had me and my sister. So that's kind of iffy. And I don't know if I can even put a one there. Um, so you have kind of those, you know, those situations. Um, you know, you may just be visiting and you see something, you get hit and you're like, okay, well, I just came over here just to see your daughter, my friend, and I am getting, I ended up getting hit <laughs> and I didn't tell nobody, you know, we, we get in situations that we don't ask for. We just either stumble, you know, something show up on our front porch that we didn't see coming. And like I said earlier, you know, we either, you know, it wasn't our responsibility that it showed up, but it's our responsibility to get rid of it or deal with it. And um, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, having a moderate to high ACEs score can also be an open door toward chronic diseases, you know, as adults, like heart disease, diabetes, lung cancer, because I'm seeing a lot of lot of men in my age group that had high A scores really have a lot of health issues. Because a lot of times they internalize all of that anger, all of that pain, yeah. all of that. And they don't know how to navigate that or get rid of it. So they internalize it. And then on top of that, many of them were incarcerated from the age of 18, 19, spent all their 20s, all their 30s, all their 40s, and now the system doesn't have use of them anymore. So they release them. 
So now you're getting out of jail 50-51. Now all of a sudden I'm having lung cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and I end up being disabled, can't work for myself because if I'm a felon, I can't get a job. I've been in jail half my life, majority of my life. So you have a lot of these issues going on. You know, economical, I can't provide for my family. Socially, you know, I have this mark on me that I already did 30 years and now I got to spend the rest of my life labeled. So what do I do with myself? Well, I do what I'm taught. I do what I, I go back and start drinking. I start drugging. I start doing all these things. And, you know, we lose you to, you know, heart attack or a stroke or, you know, and it's like, wow, you know, it's, it's, it's really frustrating to see that, you know, and, and even worse, you know, they're, you know, they end up probably committing suicide. Uh, and, it, and it's very common and a lot of people don't talk about it. But uh, I'm glad we're here talking about it today. Oh, goodness. Yeah, absolutely. I hope that what Chris has just shared is helpful and it clears up when I say I have a nine. Chris says I have a one. And you go and take your test and you fall somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. You can understand um, a little bit more about what mm -hmm. adverse childhood experiences are. I want to talk a little absolutely. bit about the big T's and the little T's. Um, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we talk about trauma, we can think of a big T like, you mm -hmm. know, like, like you just mentioned rape assaults, um, mm -hmm. you know, maybe a house fire where, you, you know, you lose mm -hmm. or, or death, right. Those are huge, mm -hmm. but some little mm -hmm. T that some, sometimes it seems little It's when the child comes home and the lights are off, mm. the water's off, mm -hmm. right. They grow up in a rodent infested community. They pee the bed all the time because there's arguments mm -hmm. around, the, around the corner, right? Mm -hmm. um, they don't feel safe or even seen. So understand like mm. big T's and little T's, all of this impacts a child. And for a long time, I feel that we were ignored because mm -hmm. again, in our communities, even if you didn't grow up in our in our community, because initially I did not, but even if you didn't grow up in our community, still our community, meaning the color that we carry, it's a community, <laughs> was ignored. <laughs> our traumas very are, much. You know, it was ignored because we were to be strong all the time. Mm -hmm. So short of death, you just <laughs> get up and you keep mm -hmm. it moving. Right? Keep it moving. Right. So, <laughs> so, Chris, can you share a little bit about the impact, like, you know, not so much the impact, but the, the understanding of these big T's and, and little T's and how they affect Yes. Us. Yeah. Um, I can share about that because when children are overloaded with stress hormones, they're in a fight, flight, freeze mode. And it's almost like, you know, they're in a survival mode uh, um and the thing about it when they get up and go to school they can't focus because because the environment the environment is structured and they're coming from an unstructured environment to a structured environment they didn't bring a pencil 
they didn't eat, especially if it's a weekend, they haven't eaten since Friday at noon. They're coming back to school Monday morning. All the craziness that happened over the weekend, they had to absorb that. Didn't get a chance to do any homework. They probably got homework assigned. Didn't get a chance to do homework. Didn't get a chance to eat. Didn't get a chance to sleep in a clean bed. You come back to school Monday to a structured environment, you know, and I don't even, I can't even put preferred and not preferred in that. It's, it's structured and unstructured, <laughs> you know, and they have difficulty trusting the people that's supposed to be protecting them. So when, especially when they see somebody that doesn't look like us, they're like, oh no, I'm shutting down. I'm not doing anything. Okay. First of all, I'm hungry. I don't have a pencil to write with. You know, I, I only time I get to eat is when I come to school. And, you know, and especially with COVID going on, the abuse went through the roof. Yes. Everybody get, was home. You couldn't go nowhere. They had a shelter in place, you know. And, you know, those kids have difficulty trusting adults or developing healthy relationships with peers. So they become a loner. So those little T's never leave because I'm wallowing in my experience as a loner. So those little T's, you know, I come home and the lights, you know, I come home and, 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 and the car's not in the driveway. I come home and dad lost his job or, you know, I come home and, you know, my mom is on the bed, you know, curled up in a ball, you know, and I have no one to turn to. So I need to relieve my anxiety. So what do I do? I started experimenting with drugs. I started experimenting with ways to escape, you know, uh, because I'm guilty and I, I'm full of shame. Yeah. I can't, I can't tell anybody my story because I'm afraid of how they're going to perceive me. Perception is everything, especially when you're a child and, and children can be cruel, yeah. you know, and then you have, and then you have biochemical solutions, <laughs> nicotine, alcohol, you know, drugs, you know, or activities don't, don't that they can escape. Sex. Oh yeah, I was about to go there. <laughs> I was about to go there, you know, and it's all looked at as an escape. You know, you have, you know, a proliferation of sexual partners, you know, and you end up being a workaholic because, you know, as adults, we want to be workaholic because we are never going back there again. You know, once we get a chance to escape the situation and we get to a place where that ain't happening again, we work triple quadruple overtime so that doesn't happen again so we you know want to forget about that as much as possible and i think it should be used as fuel rather than uh, you know the, the opposite you know that should be propelling you to a better place rather than kind of keeping you somewhere where you shouldn't be or thinking oh Thinking the absolute worst, you know, the uh, all or nothing generalizations where it's like, okay, if this doesn't happen, then we're all going back to, you know, we're not going back to Egypt. We're, we're staying out of there. Let's put our minds together. Let's come up with a solution and let's make it happen. And, you know, it, it, it's a lot, it's a lot to unpack, you know, you know, especially with children and, and the way they, you know, have, what they have to deal with nowadays. It's like, man, you know, I know the ACEs scores for some of these kids jumped through the roof when we had the COVID. Yeah. For sure. It was just, you know, 
you know, you had your abuser in the next room. <laughs> yeah. And every how day. could you every day? And it was almost at will. You couldn't escape it. And, you know, if you had another parent that just was complicit in the whole thing and didn't say anything because they were probably being abused as well. And it's like, oh, my goodness, you know, where is the where do we draw the line? You know, but yeah. Oh, and then I think they were trying to learn uh, remotely. Yeah. And I know that was a nightmare. So it's just a lot of variables that you had to have to kind of overcome. Sure. Yeah. 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 And and then the um, the unbelievable amount of access to internet. Oh. <laughs> 2020 and 2021. And that was the outlet for a lot of people, children and in the information overload, the things that were going into their brains and their eyes and their ears. Absolutely. I don't know what's going to happen to Oof. this generation, right? Um, yeah. We all went through the trauma of 2020. <laughs> Love, Everybody. <laughs> yes. So we're all, Definitely. you know, even with that, you know, I know, we, I know we have to get out of here, but even with that, I mean, mm -hmm. I know that we look at ACEs as adverse childhood experiences, but we also know that adults have experiences, right? And I know that we studied initially, so they've, they've advanced the study because initially they were looking at a younger, um, mm -hmm. you know, a younger demographic, a young, younger set. And now they've increased mm -hmm. it to 18. And, and I know that we have a separate study for adults that experience mm -hmm. um, trauma, right? PTSD, mm -hmm. that's where that comes mm -hmm. from. So, um, Mm -hmm. What do you think, like just 2020 alone, the trauma that yeah. we all experienced while yeah. through a change in the political structure as well. Like, Chris, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. <laughs> what are we I, doing I, now? I, I tell you, it it is it's one of those things where you gotta hurry up and build it fast mm. because we were all in a situation where we didn't have a blueprint or something to follow. It was like everybody put a mask on. Okay, then everybody's wearing their mask down like this. And then you had people dying because there wasn't a vaccine, you know, and people were on ventilators and people were dying alone. And your family members were not able to go in the room and see their family members. And, you know, the, the social separation was a catalyst in that, too, where it's like, okay, well, I can't see so-and-so because we have to stay at home. We have to shelter in place. You know, social social separation was the was was the main issue of COVID, where we could not see the people because you know we're all social beings. We yeah. hug, we greet each other. Yes. You know, we you know dap each other up, whatever. You know, and when all of a sudden that's taken away, it's almost like we were all incarcerated in our own homes. And COVID for a lot of people was a prison sentence. Because you couldn't get out and do the things you could do normally. And if you did, you had to hurry up and come back. You know, and then supply chains were down. You couldn't get toilet paper. You couldn't get paper towels. You couldn't get food. I mean, it was just, it was just ridiculous. And, you know, with that whole thing, I think that that taught us something. That if you're not going to be prepared, if something like that would happen again, you know, what would you, people were hoarding things. So it was like, 
they were prepared for World War Three. You know, you go in some people's houses, they got toilet paper till 20, 2096. Because it, it, I mean, stuff is just bare. You couldn't get anything. So it was like, wow, you know, what do I do? You can't even work, you know? And then now it's like people are begging for people to work and they people don't want to work anymore. So That's it's it's changed. almost... Your mind it's definitely changed. Yes. Yes. It has definitely, it has definitely shifted. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, we're evolving, you know, and thankfully the vaccine came along. It saved a lot of lives. But then I think about the people that didn't get a chance to get the vaccine, you know, and would they still be here today? So that that's on a lot of people's minds, too, where it's like, OK, man, my grandmother would have been here today. My dad would have been here today. My sister would have been here Oh, man, you know, it's it's a lot of the what ifs, you know, and, you know, the, the grief cycle comes back again. It's like, man, you know, and I think a lot of people grieve because the future, they have future plans and they weren't able to, yeah. to execute them sure. because of yeah. this, because of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I'm glad it's now moving toward an endemic stage. It's not going anywhere. It's going to be like the flu and the cold, you know, it's not going anywhere um it's here to stay we just have to adjust to it and yeah. you know keep ourselves healthy we, we have to learn how to live with it living with the broken pieces mm -hmm. that's what we're we're doing we're, we're doing that mm -hmm. you, you mentioned the um kind of as a, like all of us how we were feeling in 2020 right 2020 2021 even some still in 2022 um and as you were talking i was thinking like that's exactly what it's like as a child going through the same traumas, right? Um, lack of food. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, like the the adults in the room are not taking care of you. You feel unsafe. You, I mean, everything you were saying, I'm just thinking like, this is adults. We're managing this, right? But even as children, mm -hmm. the trauma that they were in, you know, because sometimes kids don't have an out. They don't know how to express it mm -hmm. or articulate it. So right. they suppress or they go inside or they explode and they're acting out and but where do they go and talk? they don't have a place to just talk about it and get it out mm -hmm. they don't mm -hmm. even have the words to explain no. what they're feeling right mm -hmm. um and it's not always safe for them to tell but then as you were saying like you know like in 2020 going back to the adults what do we start doing we start hoarding things and, and um you know like holding on to, to things for dear life right those same children that we're talking about will grow up and never want to go back to whatever it is. Mm -hmm. they will hold on and scratch and do whatever they can do just to survive. And we do see that some yeah. of us that have experienced certain traumas, we we have become hoarders because we mm -hmm. right we were impoverished and we didn't have and we don't trust. We didn't trust adults. Then adults showed that it could not be trusted. Then so as mm -hmm. an adult, you don't trust anyone because you're scared that that anybody could take you back to where you were i mean you're mm -hmm. stuck in this, this nine-year-old cycle right as a nine-year-old right yeah where the trauma happened right so as mm -hmm. you were talking i start thinking about and comparing the two i'm like that's exactly what a lot of young people have gone through and experienced and now as adults mm -hmm. there's a switch there's a, something has changed and this mm -hmm. is why it's important to study that brain how it works and and the impact mm -hmm. that traumas have on us.
You know? So true. So true. And, and and it's that stage development that they're in. You know, I always say it's not the age, it's the stage, because the things that happen to them at nine and 10, if they haven't addressed it, they'll be 50 and 60 and still hoarding, dealing with uh, loss in the same way, or, you know, they, they just want to be in, in their space. And, you know, uh, stage development is critical. You know, a lot of people are, you know, mentally still teenagers because of the things that happened to them when they were teenagers. Now they're 50, 60, and they're still exhibiting those behaviors like the clinginess because they've been abandoned or, you know, uh, just a lot of other things that they've dealt with emotionally, you know, that they weren't, they didn't have that outlet to tell someone they trusted, oh, you know, go, you know, just shoo you off, go sit down somewhere. But then it's like, wow, I do have a voice. I do have feelings and I have to express myself. So, when I start breaking up windows and, you know, breaking up things that are valuable to you, now you want to listen. But I was trying to tell you that so-and-so was bothering me or messing with me and you didn't listen. So now, you know, I'm cutting myself or I'm experimenting with drugs and, you know, doing all kinds of stuff, running away from home and attention seeking behaviors, that kind of thing. So, yeah, this, you know, and I always say there's, we have a garden in our lives where, we buried the potatoes of pain and the onions of hurt mm. and they have to be dug up and, and cut up in order for us to be delivered. They have to be pulled up out the root and it just makes, you know, the, the work a lot more purposeful yeah. when I look at it like that, because I look at everybody as a garden and, you know, gardens have beautiful flowers. Some still have weeds. Sometimes you got to go in there and weed it out. So the plant can grow, you know, healthy. But at the same time, you have people's gardens that are just overgrown and they haven't done haven't done anything about it. And the solution's right there for you. You know, get someone that can help you dig up that root, dig up that onion of, of, of hurt and those potatoes of pain so you can, you know, live a prosperous life. I love it. So, so listen, everyone, if y'all listening, we're going to start tending to our gardens a lot better. I love it. I'm <laughs> like, you. hey, let's tend to that garden. All right. Y'all heard it here first. So <laughs> we're going to start tending to our gardens. I mean, yes. how do we start tending to our gardens? Again, I know we have to go, but Chris, I want to, mm -hmm. you know, I want to give you opportunity to kind of Sure. Let's, you know, let's talk a little bit about um, how we can tend to our gardens better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, definitely. I, I am a huge proponent of self-care. And self-care is doing something that you totally want to do without apologizing for. <laughs> so yes, whatever yes. that is. It, you know, is a healthy, a healthy outlet, you know, and within reason, you know, a lot of people like to go shopping. They like to get a haircut and like, you know, me, a self-care item for me is, you know, trimming my beard, keeping it, you know, neat, nice and neat and presentable because that's a self-care item for me. That's something that I ha I like to do and I don't have to apologize for it. Some people like to go for rides, you know, self-care is, is, is huge. And I'm glad that people of color, are starting to embrace this, like they're starting to embrace therapy and counseling, because there was a time when we didn't we didn't do it, and for whatever reason, you know, because of trust factors or whatever. But I'm so glad that I'm starting to see this 
movement of self-care, movement of, 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 of therapy. Uh, it's just something we have to do, you know, and if you need to go talk to someone, by all means, find someone who, who you can trust. You know, that's another way we can tend to our garden is finding people that we can trust in our quality world. And you may find someone that doesn't look like you. You know, <laughs> some of my best breakthroughs have come through people that don't look like me. Because not all of our skin folk are kin folk. I totally agree. <laughs> I learned that quick. I'm like, okay, hmm, okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you learn yeah. it quick, and it, it burns you, but you, yeah, you learn it quick. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Especially if I gotta get a job done and you're not doing it, I'm gonna get somebody here that's gonna get it done. Yep. Yep. <laughs> 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 absolutely <laughs> absolutely i i absolutely agree with you i love i love the um the self-care my my self-care mm -hmm. one of my go-tos is sage in my home i love to mm -hmm. um and i love hiking i love yeah out into nature and reflecting yeah. and digging deep into my own ish mm -hmm. so that when i come out of those woods I am committed to being greater and better. And I'm Absolutely. just talking about as a person. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so yes, I love yes, it. yes, I am a champion, a cheerleader for self-care, you know, do what Absolutely. you must. Yes. All right, Chris, so tell us, where can we, where can we find you? Where can those that are listening um, cause we, we, there's so much we could talk about with ACEs. There's so much we could talk about with trauma. Um, <laughs> toxic stress and and responses yeah. and so on and so forth there's so so much i think we need uh -huh. to continue to bring this to our communities around our tables just and normalize that kind of stuff so where can people find you and you've got to come back to the show again hey i definitely will be back and um <laughs> Thank you so much for the invite. And um, they can find me on Facebook under Chris Morant McNeil. And if they if they look under friends on your page, they'll find me because I think we're connected on there. <laughs> um, Instagram, you can find me at Positive Black Images LLC or Chris the Clinician. I have two pages on um, Instagram. One of those names will be changing pretty soon, but not probably till the new year. So if you want to friend me up, friend me up before the new year so you don't have to find a, a page that doesn't exist. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that, that's where you can find me. I also have a website called familyversity.org uh, that you can find um, a lot of things that I'm involved with, familyversity.org, like the word family and then the word from university, from university.org. That's my, that, that's my, pretty much umbrella for all the things I do with the consulting and uh, with the uh, life coaching and, and the educational piece. So you can find me on all of those, those areas and connect. All right. Perfect. So if you are listening to this, then you should be able to read um, in the description uh, all about Chris and find the information there. Uh, and of course, you know, you can come and follow me or find me at the relationship zone and um, or Queenie love. And you can also, find <laughs> but you can drop a message. If you hear something 
you know, if you, if it's something resonates with you that Chris might've said, please send me a message. I will make sure that you connect with him. Um, these conversations must continue and we do have a story to tell. Mm -hmm. Sure do. <laughs> we have a lot of healing to do. Um, and this is why I said, uh, I, I, I hate to say I've done the work. I'm doing the work. And mm -hmm. I've been doing the work for a long time. <laughs> I've been doing the work for a long time. I like how you put that. I'm doing the work. That yeah. that keeps it that keeps it in the present. Absolutely. Yeah. I never yeah. want I don't want to give any type of uh mixed message to anyone making them believe that I've got it all figured out. No, mm -hmm. not at all. I I I learn about myself through these kind of conversation and reflection. Mm -hmm. all the time and so no i am steady <laughs> doing the work <laughs> awesome <laughs> so chris thank you so much again for joining us and um it's always wonderful to have you here and if there's any word of encouragement you want to leave before you shut down for the mm -hmm. evening please mm -hmm. do so now Okay. Um, if I had to share anything, it would be to trust the process and trust the plan in your life. Don't waver to the left or to the right. Stay focused on your goals because the worst thing you can do is build somebody else's dream and not build your own. I, I, I think is is people, we work 30, 40 years on the job to build somebody else's dream and we don't take an hour to build ours. You know, I always say if, if you're working full time, you're working nine to five. Well, they don't control you from five or 1 p.m. to 8.59 a.m. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so, that's a good word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely with that being said thank you so much for joining us chris and i look forward yeah. to talking to you again and to the listeners thank you so much for rocking with me um again for another episode here at the relationship zone where i talk about all things love life and relationships it's your girl queenie i'm signing out thank you so much for joining us bye take everybody. care <laughs> all right <laughs> Thank you.